This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, welcome to our ongoing series, Warriors from Mythology. Of course, I'm Sensei Michelle. And I'm Sensei Jackie. And we're lucky to have Ryan, our resident mythology expert on hand. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Sensei. Thanks for having me. Of course, it's our pleasure. Are you kidding? And Pam is here too, which is always fun. Hey, Pam, thanks for hanging out with us. Hi, Sensei. Glad to be able to join in. So, Sensei, did you remember to say that today we're looking at a mythological character called Gilgamesh? To be honest with you, I don't think I did remember that. So thank you. Us. And I think this might be our oldest warrior king. I read that Gilgamesh predates the Sun King. Is that right, Ryan? Us. Uh, king Gilgamesh in his story probably predates most mythology we have. He's probably one of the oldest epics we have written down. And we still are discovering new parts of the story to this day. That is so cool. So we are going to need a lot of input on this one, Ryan. The information was so not easy to come by. And some of it was a little vague for me. You're going to make sure to fix any of the things that I have misread, right? Oh, Sensei, I'll try my best. Thanks. Okay, let's start with the idea that the mythological character was based on a real guy who I think was the king of Uruk in the Middle East in 2700. Yeah, that's it. 2700 BCE. So basically 5,000 years ago. Us. Holy cow. So Sensei, just to add a little bit here, Uruk was the city and that city was the largest city they think in the world at that time. It had 60,000 people in it. Wow. That's a lot of people. Oh, especially for that time period. Most cities back then were very small. It'd be like hamlets compared to like <laughs> neighborhoods today almost. Exactly. It'd be like a neighborhood. So other than the fact that I did not realize the city had 60,000 people, did I forget any other big ones, Ryan? Nope. I think that's um, okay. Well, you know, I read that Gilgamesh was a hero of ancient Mesopotamian mythology. The word Mesopotamia itself means land between the rivers. And that definitely makes sense because the two rivers that it was between were the Tigris and the Euphrates, which they called the cradle of civilization. You're right, Sensei. And now it's known as Iraq. Ah, see, it's all very interesting. If nothing else, guys, you are learning a lot about geography or is that just me? <laughs> no, all of us learning. And, and of course, you know, the fact that it was Persia before it was Iraq. You know, it went from Mesopotamia to Persia, and goodness only knows what other names that area has been called. Okay, so anyone else out there who, like me, is a little geographically challenged, would you please message me so I don't feel so bad about <laughs> loving this part of the show? <laughs> no, really, I would appreciate it. Because Jackie can just talk about this stuff off the top of her head. And yes. I've met other people who are geographical geniuses. They just keep it all inside their head, and I don't know how they do that. Do you guys know how they do it? Oh, I actually did very well. I did like a National Geographic uh, challenge one time, and I think I, I came in uh, second place. Wow. wow. Congratulations. <laughs> that is really cool. Okay. So if you're like Ryan, please write me about that as well. And you can reach us all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. You can email us at Dojo Conversations at AOL, and you can catch us on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. I'm going to get that one memorized eventually, Sensei. Okay. So 
Let's move on, shall we? Yes. We're going to start with his birth and his early years. I actually have two facts. Okay, I'm ready. First, that his mom's name was Ninsun, and second, he was allegedly 17 feet tall. Okay, but he wasn't born 17 feet tall. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) I think the um, ancient, like, uh, Akkadians and Sumerians, when they talk about their prehistoric or legendary history, they always imagined that people back then were stronger, bigger, more heroic in stature. So that's kind of where they're getting that idea from. They're saying that people in the past were so great and so big and so strong that they were 17 feet strong and they can fight gods and stuff like that. So one might say it's a fish story. Oh, Every oh, time you right. tell it, the, yeah. the fish gets bigger, yeah. right? Our king was 17 feet tall. (laughs) Well, my king. (laughs) Well, it is pretty funny, you know, when you think about the beginnings of all of these mythological characters. But I have a good story here about Gilgamesh's grandfather. Okay. Well, his grandfather tried to keep Gilgamesh's mom from becoming pregnant, but that didn't work. So after his birth, the grandfather had guards throw Gilgamesh off a cliff. And here's where it gets weird. So here's where it gets weird? Throwing your grandchild <laughs> off a cliff is quite weird. True, but it does seem to have run through a lot of our mythological stories that we've had. It'll be a Disney movie. Oh! Because oh. <laughs> they always start sad, right? Always uh, start sad. Anyway, listen and decide. After he got thrown off the cliff, he was caught by an eagle who dropped him into a garden where he was raised by the gardener. You're right. It did get weirder. <laughs> but I did not find the gardener's name. I don't think he's an important part of any of the stories. Do you agree with that? Oh, I don't I don't believe that this part was actually part of the epic. I think it's more of like a backstory. It's probably a separate legend, per se. I actually did not really know too much about his actual like <laughs> beginning. It's wild, right? Well, you know, I know what it reminds me of? Fan fiction from the early days. Oh, good one. And so since you mentioned the epic, we need to get to it a little bit, don't we? Yes, we do, Sensei. It was called The Epic of Gilgamesh, and it may have been written as long ago as 2 BCE, which for those of you who don't remember is before the common era. Right, but I have many controversy. Ooh, we love it. And we wish Landon was here to cheer. (laughs) He's cheering in his absence. Um, I read that the oldest poem is probably Gilgamesh, Enkidu, and the Netherworld. What do you think, Ryan? Well, Sensei, it's, it's important to know that these poems were probably transcribed on tablets back in um, the Sumerian and Akkadian times. And the, the word of the day is uh, cuneiform. Cuneiform was the actual script they used. So, oh. <laughs> they would have had an actual stylist on wet tablets. He would have styled on it and then baked in the oven so wow i did pottery once thank you gail so did sensei jackie so we get the whole baking of it like in in our own experiences and it is awesome to watch something that is soft and nothing turn into something that is hard and useful but i think it's kind of funny that you actually you know bake a poem yeah exactly (laughs) permanent make it permanent one more interesting fact i found was um a lot of times the epic of gilgamesh was called he who fathomed the deep so oh. it was like oh. him fathoming like the deep things of like existence. So right thoughts. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of like the, the name of the poem, or at nice. least that's something I've heard. Don't quote me hundred percent on that. 
I do know that later in the story, we're going to run into the concept that the person who put this epic together or persons were the first people to talk about a human visual of the netherworld, which in other mythologies, they call the underworld. Us. Right? Yes. Which is way too close to the word underwear for me, but now I'm really (laughs) off subject. The underwear world. (laughs) Okay, it's time for us to get into a few of the stories, correct? Yes, Sensei. Oh, so you know what Ryan told me on the way over here? What's that? We were talking about the poem and how a lot of scholars think that the Iliad is based on Gilgamesh's journey. Didn't we talk about the Iliad when we did the Hercules episode? I believe we did. Do you agree with that, Ryan? Oh, so there's, there's probably influences probably circulating and maybe Homer who wrote the Iliad came across a copy of Gilgamesh and he decided to put some of the themes in the Iliad. And that, you see that a lot in modern times where something is based on something else. Us. That's right. Whether it's books or music or. I mean, even the concept that the Star Wars movie is based on a earlier Kurosawa film, The Last Fortress. Right which, by the way, I really want to watch and do a movie review on, on the podcast, oh, so I'm trying to get to it. I'm trying to get to that'd it. That would be awesome. Right, wouldn't it? <laughs> us. I know, Kurosawa is amazing, but we're way off track. Why do I keep <laughs> taking us off track? I would say that there's probably um, some similarities between, remember, Achilles and Gilgamesh, where Achilles wanted to be remembered for his battlefield exploits, uh-huh. and you know, Gilgamesh wants to find like immortality, but he doesn't find it exactly. Uh-huh. So maybe there's a kind of a thematic similarity. That is such a good point. Yeah. Wow. Yes, and he used the word thematic, so I feel so smart. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> but Words it's, of the day. Yeah, thematic. Two of them. First was cuneiform, and now we have thematic. For all of you who like dictionaries. Okay, guys, let's get into the poem. In the poem, he is two-thirds God and one-third human. But he hangs out with the gods and goddesses. That's right, isn't it? Us. Uh, that's kind of why he's a bit arrogant. And I say a little bit. He's actually a very arrogant yeah. in the <laughs> because he's basically a god and a human that's boring uh, over these humans that doesn't understand, you know, human empathy. Exactly. <laughs> and the fact that he was two thirds of a god and not 100 percent, that's what sent him on a mission to find immortality. Am I right about that? That's right, Sensei. All right. So I'm going to sidetrack us yet again, like I haven't done it four times already in this episode, and say, did you guys read the article about the tech billionaires? There's more than one that want to immortalize themselves, and they're trying to work with scientists to reverse aging. Have you guys read it? Yeah. Yeah, We can't compare these two things. (laughs) I found the – this is a weird documentary to talk about on this podcast, but it was like – it was talking about the beginnings of cryogenics and how people – like back in the 1670s, where like literally taking their their heads off after they die, putting in like um these like chambers mm-hmm, full yeah, of ice. That's right. But a lot, a lot of times, um, the, these things they you know the power has to be constantly on because <laughs> the moment it falls, <laughs> well, it's basically it, it, the whole thing's over once yeah. the power blows. So the point is, the quest for immortality is not as ancient as we think. No, we're still doing it, and. You know, we talked about that they were written about all of these things and we've written them down on stone tablets and things like that and then up through papyrus. And now I wonder, what are we writing them on? Are we just typing them on computer screens and that's going to be um, outdated in another couple of years? And I'm wondering if anybody will ever think that that quest of modern day reversing of aging 
is worth an epic poem? Because I vote they are not going to think that. What do you vote? <laughs> a modern day epic poem. We don't know what modern day epic poems will be until our modern day is past. So we won't be here to judge. Rats, because I think I'm right <laughs> well, on that. I don't know. I might be two thirds divine. <laughs> <laughs> And only one Okay, Ryan, we're going to get back to Gilgamesh, and I think you're up. Oh, Sensei, uh, in the epic, the gods created a character named Enkidu. He was Gilgamesh's sidekick. Enkidu's job was to balance Gilgamesh. Enkidu tried to make him less arrogant and temper some of his craziness. They became friends and started having adventures. So this is where my research didn't really come through for me, and I did look a Close. lot of places. Most of the adventures read like they were two toddlers getting into mischief. <laughs> Can you please help me out here? Oh, Sensei. Once they become friends and they become companions, they decide to get some fame by slaying this legendary demon forest monster named Humbaba. And when they do that, well, Humbaba was kind of pals of some of the gods. And the goth of love doesn't really like that. So... She sends down this gigantic, like Godzilla-sized bull to destroy <laughs> Yurik, and uh, of course, they slayed that bull to save the city. Okay, I, now it makes sense to me. So, did they go on the monster trek just to get fame? Is that why they did it? Was that their motivation? Well, they, they killed um, Humbaba for fame, but the, yeah. the bull thing was retaliation of the gods. And then they had to kill the bull, us, in order to save the city. Okay, I've got it, but. The whole thing turns out kind of sad because all of that cost Enkidu his life. That's what I read too, Sensei. He was killed by the gods as punishment. And that kind of stinks for Enkidu. Yes. His name's kind of cool. Yeah. I feel like we could make a poem out of it. Us. Anyway, before we leave him behind, let's round robin a few Enkidu facts, shall we? That's a great idea. At one point, before he is killed, of course, Enkidu goes to the underworld to get a drum and drumsticks that Gilgamesh lost. It's interesting because scholars think that Enkidu's reports on what he sees there in the underworld are the first written record of what writers thought the underworld might be like. Wow, there's a lot in that sentence, isn't there? (laughs) But I'll add even more. Uh Uh-oh. As he enters the underworld, he is supposed to follow certain rules, but he didn't follow the rules. So they kept him there as a kind of prisoner until Gilgamesh begs the gods to get him out. I liked that. Honestly, I read so many um, contrasting things online that I, I, that's why I wrote so many times. Did I get that right? Because I, I wasn't sure which one was right. I was like, boy, you people need to decide already. Well, I was reading something last night and there's some weird stuff where they found tablets that like counterdict other parts of the story. Yeah, exactly. So like there was like a new tablet they found that's supposedly the ending, but it completely undoes Inkadu's death for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) I read that too. Not yesterday, but a while back. And so what this constantly reminds me of is what we teach even our children, that without bad, there is no good. Without dark, there is no light. And so without bad times, you can't have fun times. Right. I understand that. And it's um, something, first off, that we can remind ourselves. True. True. And secondly, the making of a few good rock and roll songs. (laughs) (laughs) So So much for immortality. That's true, but let's go on and, and go to the modern uh, times, if that's okay with you, Sensei. It is, but let me say one more thing before we skip over. Sure. The epic poem was written about 3,500 years ago for the first time etched into the tablet, correct? Yes. And by that time, Gilgamesh already had superpowers. 
and he was turned into a god after his death. Isn't that correct, Ryan? Often said. Okay, now I'm ready to push on into modern times or modern-ish time. Well, that's true. Because At least we're, we're in the common era. That's right. <laughs> in the 1800s. Um, and at that point, the poems were rediscovered and translated, but they really become popular in the 20th century. Excellent. Even 200 years ago, I appreciate that people at that time liked reading about historical things and things that were larger than life. I like that. Early I like that fantasy visual. fiction, you know, in the modern times. Yep, definitely. But one of the first places he, that he does appear in modern times was on a radio show. And I don't know how many listeners have envisioned entertainment without video, but there was a time when radio shows were as popular as YouTube. You can Google that. I'm just saying the radio thing didn't happen in the 1800s. No, it did not. <laughs> uh, that was over Telegram. Thank no, you. Telegram. This was some, sometime in the 30, 1930s, 1950s? Somewhere around in oh, that time. Right? And can yeah. you just picture them all enjoying this fantasy, even though it was audible? True. And you know, you're right because the show happened in 1953. Ah, good one. And it was called The Quest of Gilgamesh. And it was recorded in the UK. All right, Gilgamesh. I'm going to keep you going here by saying, I am so tired of saying all those syllables that any minute now I'm going to shorten your name to Gilly and we're going to become best friends. (laughs) I think we're familiar with him at this point, right? Exactly. (laughs) He was the subject of a 2001 book by Joan London, who was a famous author. I don't know a lot about her now. We'll look her up for you someday, guys. But anyway, she boringly called the book Gilgamesh. I had never heard of it before, but I say, way to go, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) So Sensei, I'll take the movies, even though I didn't see it. Gilgamesh makes an appearance in the Eternals movie in 2021. Did anyone see it? Well, I did not see it, but I know of the character Gilgamesh in the Eternals from the comic books that were released way back then. And the actual character of Gilgamesh in the Eternals is not really the same character as the stories. So they stole the name without all the cool things? Well, I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, the Eternals is like kind of like an ancient aliens thing. So it's basically saying that like the stories of Gilgamesh were inspired by this alien guy that kind of oh. got filtered down through centuries or something like that. Gotcha. Well, thank goodness this is your field. Because oh, you're going to take us home with Gilgamesh, you know, Gilly, in video games. <laughs> appearances in video games that I'm familiar with is um, his appearance in the Final Fantasy video games, where he's often featured as a boss, as well as his friend Ikidu. Ah, very cool. And is he has he got his personality in the video games? Um, no, he's more of a, like a summoning kind of monster. That has like abilities that are based off the, the ones you see in the actual story, but it's like a in a totally different context. In the ancient stories, were his main superpowers things like strength? Oh, it's like you see, I think there's parts of the story where he actually fights lions and stuff like that. He was like a hunter. He was just he was a big, like, broady, very Hercules type. Hmm. At seventeen feet tall, <laughs> or, <laughs> so <laughs> they say, or so they yeah. say. I saw something kind of funny. You've seen Shrek, right? Yes. Uh, you know, like a Farquaad, that's the short king. Like mm-hmm. imagine like they say like um, Gilgamesh is coming and you see this Farquaad <laughs> guy coming out. That pretty much takes us home with everything we have on Gilgamesh, I believe. Am I correct, Ryan? Oh, Sensei. I think I'm, we're all pretty satisfied for what we know now. Yeah. 
He's a good one. And we'll have to consider where we're going to head off from here. But right now, it's time for us to do... Honor Athletics, of course. Of course. See, I could have gone with a horse. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) The famous Mr. Ed. But we would appreciate it if you supported Honor Athletics as she helps support us. And you can reach her at honor-athletics.com or scroll down and click her link. You can also reach her at 770-945-5150, which frankly is what I recommend because she's an easy person to talk to and she'll take good care of you. Such a nice person. Old school to call somebody, I know. Wow. But I can't believe calling turns out to be old school now. However, when you do order, mention Wildcat Dojo on uh, checkout because then you'll get your 10% discount. And I think these mythological warriors are such a good addition to the show. I'm learning so much and I'm laughing so much. And it's, it's so wonderful to think that people here in this moment have something in common with people 5,000 years ago. That is cool. That's true. And to that end, I want to thank you. First, Pam, thank you so much for coming. Awesome, say thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. And Ryan, thank you on a few levels. Number one, for being here. Number two, for having so much knowledge for us. And number three, for coming up with such great ideas. Thank you, Sensei. It's been a big joy for me. And I thank all of our listeners for listening. And we will see you next week. Now, we've already given you the information on how to contact us so you can contact us about the eternals maybe you know more than we did or your personal um view on mythological warriors and maybe some suggestions maybe you have a favorite yeah maybe we already did him or her her. and we thank you for it so on that note guys i'm gonna sign us out thanks for listening hope you join us again next week on wildcat dojo conversations